from Silicon Valley, California. This is Fresh Dialogues. In this week's Fresh Dialogues, I talk to Microsoft's green czar, Rob Bernard, who discusses why Microsoft was late to embrace its green credentials and what he's planning to do about it. I'm here today with Rob Bernard, Microsoft's Chief Environmental Strategist. Thank you for joining me today, oh, Rob. My, oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Prior to becoming Microsoft's green czar, you worked for 10 years in partnerships with other IT companies. But where did this Microsoft's motivation come from to have someone in your capacity? Was Bill Gates involved? Can you take us back to the first time you talked about it? And what trends inspired Microsoft to say, hey, we need someone in charge of this? Yeah, I think it's a recognition that the company, our company, Microsoft, takes on big challenges at scale. And so to think through the process of, you know, is this an area where we fundamentally believe information technology software can make a significant difference. And so uh, there was a bunch of thinking about, well, what would be the right role and the right opportunity for the company? And then if we're going to go into this space, what's the right way to structure it so that it's not, you know, a green marketing campaign or a green product. And, a greenwashing. Yeah, or greenwashing. And mm-hmm. so a number of, of the critiques we've gotten is, and the request is, why isn't Microsoft more visible and uh, prominent in this issue? And I think for us, it's, it's a long-term investment, and it's about doing things at a systemic level and driving change in, at scale over time. And so it's unlikely that the world will see big green marketing campaigns. And so back to your question, it was really a very thoughtful, long-term view on how we're going to go and what is the most appropriate and leveraged place for us to be. Microsoft has been, as you kind of imply, there has been described as being rather late to the green game. Can you comment on that? And do you feel you've been playing catch-up ever since? Well, it's interesting. I don't know that we were late. We're certainly later than others in terms of talking vocally about it. But if you look at our investments in energy, there was massive improvements between XP and Vista on energy efficiency. And so that spans back well over half a decade, if not further. Investments in things like virtualization, which have a significant green IT impact, have been going on for quite a number of years. And so while there wasn't a green marketing-based or green communications, there was certainly a very heavy focus on energy efficiency for quite a long time. And so I look at my role is helping amplify and accelerate a lot of the great work that was already happening. And our data centers, we had already started to achieve a 50% reduction in energy for every unit of output well before I took on my role. And so I would say it was stuff that was very much in process. And I'd also say that it was interesting to use the word game, right? Because I think this is not a competition issue for us, right? This is about li- literally lightening up the entire ecosystem of the IT industry. And so we see it as a collective approach as opposed to an individual company, A or B. So you're working with Google, IBM, everyone, you're sharing your information. Yeah, in fact, we're part of two organizations, Green Grid and Climate Savers. The urgency of this issue is kind of an all-hands-on-deck. Now, let's talk about the Greenpeace report. You've probably seen it, 2008. Microsoft scored near the bottom of the scorecard. It remained in 17th position behind Nokia, Toshiba, Samsung, mainly on the toxic chemicals criteria. Can you comment on that? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, We actually met with Greenpeace, and we take that issue very seriously. So um, 
I don't want to minimize it at all. Uh, part of the challenge is that the way in which they structured the scorecard has to do with electronics more broadly. And so manufacturers will have a wider range of things, like we have, uh, obviously we have our Zooms, and we have our Xbox and some other devices. Um, but a lot of that also relates to TV sets and other stuff, which we just don't do. And so there are certain categories that it would be very difficult to imagine how we could ever do anything, right, because it wasn't necessarily applicable. Uh, but even putting that aside, we've set... Uh, what we think are very realistic targets and timelines, and we're working hard to accelerate those where possible. So that is one of your, your key targets it to, is, yeah. to please the Greenpeace people. No, I think the issue is, I mean, it would be great if Greenpeace rating went up. The real issue is, what are the, what are the issues that are behind the report? Um, are they issues that all companies should strive to improve? And where we think that there is a massive opportunity to have positive impact, we will go after those. And in some cases, those will be highlighted as good things. In other cases, um, maybe not. But it's about trying to think about where is the biggest impact we can have as a company. Energy consumption of, of devices is not part of that rating. And so while some devices have increased their energy footprint, you know, our Xboxes have uh, halved since our initial uh, release of Xbox the amount of energy they use. So it's about really looking at the whole system's value of something. Right, cradle to grave. Yes. Yes. And let's talk about climate change research. I understand you're heavily involved in this research, par partnering with Princeton, Oxford, and Cambridge universities modeling climate change. Can you talk about how you plan to use this information? Well, I think the question is how does science plan to use the information? And um, we're starting to assemble more and more groups to help us think through the opportunities. And while we don't do a tremendous amount in actually climate predictive uh, work, we are looking at things like species migration and what's going to happen, what our adaptation models need to look like. Uh, there's a lot of great models on sort of looking at temperature change. Uh, but then the question is, what do you do with that information and what kind of impact is it going to have on species around the planet? Mm, and that, that's what I'm asking. How, how is Microsoft going to get that message out? Hopefully the message of the result is shared and promoted by the scientific community. I think our uh, area of contribution can be in the uh, sitting with scientists and taking massive amounts of complex data, which has historically been either inaccessible or often impossible to interpret for scientists, and using our computational tool sets and our scientific knowledge, because we do hire uh, domain experts, and then driving new insight for science and science development. Uh, so we look at it as really we have a unique set of assets in our Microsoft Research Division. How can we bring even more of those to bear on this issue? Going a step further, as a strategist, how are you emphasizing the urgency of action that needs to be taken on the climate change issue? Or do it, you feel that that's not your remit? Well, I think for sure it is in terms of the IT industry and how people use our products. You know, I, I spend a lot of time talking to people and in doing speeches to CIOs, and often my first question, in fact, almost always is, how many of you actually know what your power bill looks like? And the tools are there for people to go and pre improve their CPU utilization and all sorts of stuff. Only about 15% of IT professionals have actually seen their power bill. So my first comment is always, if you don't know where you're starting, it's hard to know how to get to the next stage. And so we really encourage people to take advantage of the tools and services we've already built, as well as challenge us to build more. Uh, but it does start often with behavior. And can you talk about the role of legislation? California's AB 32 has got some 
clear mandates there, and yet companies, consumers, there's pushback there because of the economic struggle we're in. Can you comment on that? I mean, there are some people saying we need to put everything on hold on climate change action until after the economic recovery. What, what is your take on that? I suggest they look at Lisa Jackson's recent memos. I mean, even today on the headlines, you know, it's interesting, um, you know, EPA regulating greenhouse gas emissions as a pollutant. I think, I think the, uh, the trend line is clear. And talk about your, the role of other partners you're working with, like the Clinton Foundation Climate Initiative, the European Environmental Agency. What specifically are they contributing? Well, I think they're trying to come up with ways at scale to impact societal change at a, at a pretty significant level. So, for example, the, the relationship with the Clinton Foundation started probably uh, close to two years ago where they came to us and said, Cities around the world, especially large cities, have all committed to do some sort of carbon reduction plan uh, under the Kyoto uh, protocols. And they had no sense of how the Clinton Foundation, how they would actually help enable cities to compare. And they said, would it be possible to build a hosted software tool that any city around the world ultimately could use and make it so that it was a hosted free service that you know anybody with a web browser could interact with and that people could actually compare based on the same information. And so we've spent you know, the better part of two years, and we're still working on the project with another release coming up soon, to actually enable them to realize that vision through the power of software. And turning to the future now, what is your next strategic milestone? The question will be for us, how do we get to the next level of scale on a worldwide basis to accelerate change? You know, how do we take a significant portion of the 400,000 partners that Microsoft touches around the world and start to either in, in small and large ways, impact their behavior. And how do you intend to do that? Well, there's a couple of things. For some software companies, it's about how do we help them write more energy-compliant applications. Often, you know, we put a lot of great energy um, enhancements into our operating system, but if an application is written in a way which actually negates those, it's counterproductive to an entire operating environment, not just an operating system. Right. So in many cases, it's sharing and... Um, hopefully accelerating application vendors' ability to write more energy-compliant applications. And then through things like our ingenuity point is how can we help accelerate companies who are doing environmental-based applications and helping them scale out more and become more successful more quickly through the value of our network. Rob Bernard, thank you so much for joining me today on Fresh Dialogues. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Fresh Dialogues. This is Alison Van Diggelen, with special thanks to Tom Kromkowski and Carol Pecora for technical support, and Kevin McLeod, who wrote and produced our music. <laughs> <laughs>